The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And wow, we have had a lot of amazing podcasts <laughs> over these past few months because of all the activity. It's like, you know, we thought we had a lot to say about AI back in 2017 when we started AI Today. And holy cow, 2023 is like just as hyper and hectic as, as any other previous year has been with AI, maybe even more so. And Kathleen and I talk about this all the time. It's like the fact that just an average person now is able to do some phenomenal things with, well, of course, generative AI and things like that might mean that we've actually crossed the chasm. We've crossed the chasm from only being specialists, like you had to be a data scientist or a machine learning engineer. You had to basically gather your data and do all this stuff in order to do anything with AI and machine learning. Now it's like in the hands of the random person or, or even your uh, seven-year-old child who's probably using uh, chat GPT to answer their homework. So that's a whole other issue. But uh, I think we've been thrilled to like go over many of these concepts. And here on the AI Today podcast, we have a whole bunch of series where we go over how things like generative AI works. We have our, had our failure series where we talked about all the problems that AI systems have been having. We're in the midst of our trustworthy AI series where we talk about uh, doing AI not only successfully, but also doing it in a way that keeps you out of trouble and keeps these AI systems on the right side of the ethical line. And of course, we have fantastic interviews where we spend time with folks who are putting AI into practice. And well, stay connected and stay tuned because we have a lot more of all of those coming up in our podcast. Exactly. So if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to AI Today so you get notified of all of our upcoming podcast episodes. We have many queued up and also topics that we plan on discussing. So we're really excited for our podcasts. But with AI Today, we always love to have interviews with folks that are actually putting and applying AI into practice in the real world. So we're so excited to have with us today, Jonelle Martinez, who is Senior IT Project Manager at Kivlik Federal and is CPMAI certified in AI and project management methodology. Welcome, Jonelle. Hi, how y'all doing? We're great. We're so excited to have this podcast discussion with you today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role as Senior IT Project Manager. Okay. Thank you, Kathleen. Uh, well, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Chanel Martinez, of course. Uh, first off, I have to state this. Is a, please note that anything I say today does not represent my company in or nor the federal government in any way, shape, or form. Um, I have been asked to participate in today's podcast as a private citizen. As such, anything noted and commented upon of my own is of my own perception, understanding, and experience. So, sorry for all that. I'm sure a lot of you out there understood why that had to be said. Um, but a bit of my background: I served in the U.S. Army for 30 years as a soldier on the tactical level, in the capacity of a team leader. And then on as a strategic level, as a company commander and middle-level executive uh, for the Air Force and the Army. Um, right now, um, after this 10-year, which of course was 30 years, 
I then took on the role as a government contractor working for uh, commands such as the U.S. Transportation Command, which is pretty much the logistics arm for the U.S. military. Uh, it gets every gets things out there for land, sea, air, and also helps in humanitarian crises. As I now work for the Air Force as a senior IT project manager in zero trust capabilities. Also, I've worked in helping to onboard projects or applications onto the Air Force network, uh, helping to supporting uh, officers in the Pentagon for senior level projects where they need a project manager to help guide them along. That's fantastic. As much as that is, that's actually a lot of stuff. So <laughs> if you feel like adding more to it, it obviously that's the best part. And hopefully, uh, obviously, as you've gone through the CPMI certification, which has added to those skills and really enhanced what you're doing, they'll, well, maybe, maybe they'll start adding even more responsibilities and capabilities to you. So I guess let's start by, by talking about some of the challenges, because you've seen a lot of projects, you've seen a lot of data projects and, and increasingly AI projects and automation projects and things like that. So how ha what are the challenges? that you have seen, when uh, that you have run into when you're managing these projects? And perhaps how has the CPMI methodology, and for our listeners, that's the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology. It's an approach to running AI projects successfully by following an approach built on, well, CRISPDM, which has been around for decades, but hadn't been updated, and also applying sort of modern techniques for agile and iterative approaches. And we'll share more about that later. But Maybe, yeah, Janelle, if you want to share with us some of those challenges and sort of and, and what you run into and, and how methodology has helped. Thanks, Ron. What I'd also like to say is I do mirror what Ron mentioned in the beginning that I'm just kind of a normal person. Uh, again, coming in from that background of logistics and then IT background into this, into the artificial intelligence and machine learning, trying to learn it. Um, Currently, I can say the government is looking at, uh, they started looking at doing AR, or looking into artificial intel for the battlefield and for actually training people in their education requirements, getting that stuff done. Um, we're not yet there yet. It's just literally started. Um, but the goal being is, but what I've seen though is, some of the projects that I've witnessed, they've taken the ones that have failed are the ones where they took so much amount of data, large amounts of data. They never reviewed the data to make sure it was clean, so to speak. It was uh, some of the data was taken from sources that were not verified, et cetera. And what that did is kind of helped expedite project failure. Now, granted, some projects, you still had uh, some of the tasks were proved. We're proven tasks, you know how it is. You get a little bit of the requirements are proven, but you really didn't get all of what you really wanted to do, the overwhelming done. Um, so that we found wasted a lot of time, a lot of man hours, a lot of money. Let's go to the money, the overall budget, uh, just a lot of that stuff. So right now we did take lessons learned from all of these, and now we implement those lessons learned from past history, uh, what everybody does. Uh, you know, to learn better. Other than that, I found some of the other challenges that were not having the right resources there, meaning uh, you have your developers, but do not have experience as data scientists or data engineers. 
And we find, I've seen that with AI machine learning coming up, having these two key people are, are kind of critical toward getting your, uh, getting the right projects, getting the right data outputs. Yeah, no, that's great, actually. And when you Definitely. you brought up, you know, we have our AI failure series and we talk about different reasons, common reasons we see AI projects fail. One of them is data quality issues, right? You know, you can have data, but it can be junk data. And we always say garbage in is garbage out. And also you can have data quantity issues. And you're right. Sometimes just collecting data to collect data is not a really good reason. You know, I can collect junk to collect junk, but then my yard's going to be full of just junk. So those are, you know, really good points. We always like to see, you know, how people are actually seeing these failures in the real world, learn from them, and then let's move forward. Our motto always is think big, start small, and iterate often. So think about the big picture, but start small. You know, don't take all of the data that you could possibly take all at once, try and do something with that. Of course, you're going to fail. So that's why we always like, you know, to hear from the real world, how people are actually uh, applying, you know, failing, applying this methodology, the practices that they've learned for AI project success. So speaking of that, another reason that many people take CPM AI is to help grow the key skills that they have for themselves. You know, the certification really is powerful. So how has CPM AI training and certification helped grow key skills for yourself, including providing you with the knowledge, lexicon, and credibility that you needed? I have to say, Kathleen, uh... That hits upon like my initial perception, what I had before I even went through the CPMAI course. As you know, uh, people hear the word AI and they automatically think, my, I'm done. I've just lost my job. Oh, I got to go back to school again. And I don't have the money to go back to school. I don't have uh, any idea on how to get what certifications. Because again, AI machine learning seem to be so new to the new to the certain environment that we're in right now. Um, so what CPMI taught me though, was that, Hey, my job's not dead. I mean, it's not a job killer. It's a category killer, a job category. And that really, I remember taking the course and I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not losing my job, but darn, I got to go back to school again. Uh, to become one of the new future categories out there, whether it's a technician or a data scientist or data engineer or all these other fruitious words out there that a lot, I'm sure AI machine learning will come up with. Um, what I've also learned is that you just don't use AI for the purpose of using AI. Again, if simple rules sometimes will work. Sometimes they will not. So, you know, it, it's it's always helpful to understand what your requirements are and of how to go forth with that, with the least possible resistance, I like to say. Um, I learned a lot about algorithms that I don't need to co be a coder to learn how to do algorithms. So I was excited about that because now I'm like... Uh, I'm not a tech savvy person. Again, that's why I have technical SMEs to do all that work. Right. <laughs> but it actually made me think I might want to take a course on that just to learn because I'm I'm seriously tempted just to see what I can come up with. Because you know how it is. You always like to create things. Um, but your course made it, the foundation level course that I took certainly gave me with the tools, I really believe, to at least start getting into this delve deeper. 
Um, it was pretty neat. Yeah, and I think that's a great perspective. I mean, technology is just a tool anyways. I mean, it's not a tool for every job. It's not necessarily the best tool for every job. And and sometimes, uh, you know, that's actually part of what a lot of good methodologies are. And actually, when we start the first phase of CPMAI is this business understanding phase. And one of the questions you have to ask is, is the solution really a good fit? Uh, for AI. And if it is, you have to answer the question, why? <laughs> it's got to be because it can do something that's better or different or somehow adds more value than the alternatives. Maybe you you literally can't do the alternatives, which is generating a lot of text or doing facial recognition or self-driving a vehicle. You're not going to be able to code self-driving a vehicle in any programming language, you won't be able to do any of this stuff. And that's what AI is for. But sometimes there are good alternatives. Sometimes straight automation where you're taking a task and you're you're encoding it in rep- repetitive way does a better job than AI. Sometimes uh, rules-based systems, sometimes straightforward predictive analytics. Um, and we have many good stories that we we tell in, in the training where we try to use as much real life situations as possible. And so I think that's a really healthy perspective. And I think it's great that that you like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize this world of algorithms. Maybe I'm going to go d- dive a little deeper. I think that's fantastic. We always talk about the growth mentality here, which is basically trying to always learn more because, hey, knowledge is great. And actually, knowledge is fairly inexpensive. It's making mistakes that are expensive. <laughs> we tell people, it's like, you know, you could take a training or a course, a couple thousand dollars, you know, ours is in the low thousands. You can even go to college if you really wanted to. And all the stuff that you're learning is still going to be less expensive than making that million dollar mistake. It's like, that's a lot more expensive. So um, I think it's a great perspective. And I think for, for those who are listening here, who who, who maybe want to like a, understand more about CPMAI, we do actually have a free intro to CPMAI. It's like a two hour short course that just talks about methodology talks about some of the problems that you will run into in AI projects, big and small. Uh, if you go to aitoday.live slash CPMAI, uh, you will find a link you could fill in. You could find a link and take that intro course. We have all, we've, we have like had hundreds, thousands of people go through the intro course. And of course, thousands more uh, get certified. It's been fantastic. So, so let me uh, get into it because you have some great perspectives and some really good insights. So maybe for our listeners, you know, what can you share, uh, especially about uh, some of the lessons learned, maybe some of the things that are not technology, like cultural issues, process and change issues, which I think may be harder than the technology issues, especially for those who are looking to run and be successful with their AI projects. I I agree with you there. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that I find is the cultural shift, trying to let the government know, again, in my current position, why they should start using AI, for example, for tech document writing or or to help people in education. You know how it is. Uh, what I find the problem with that, though, is you've got, as you know, I'm sure a lot of people have had to do papers and things for that, you know, and you're looking at the hit back back times, uh, could I say medieval times? We'd have to go to a library. Remember what that was? <laughs> you have to go to the library and start researching and researching and researching. And then, of course, the digital era came up. Well, now you're researching massive amounts of data, but you still have to put it together. 
still identify who said what or whatever. And now I find out, example, one of the uh, coworkers of mine, Diddy, just for instance, put in what is zero trust and how is it going to happen for the future? And again, zero trust for those don't, that don't know is you pretty much don't trust anybody when you do your programs or processes. You have to have certain doors, so doorways, so to speak, uh, to go through just to get access to anything. And he he posed this question to Chat GBT, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I've never seen this. this. is so good. I can't believe this information that's coming out." And to me, that's uh, that's great, but it's also a little scary because what CPMI taught me is again, it's the human that still pretty much controls that data. You know, as you can get the data, but it's what the human puts into it. And my concern is this. As to how is it prejudice, prejudicial data or how, you know, it's like you've got who do you really trust then? That person who's putting the data in their views, because guess what? That source and the result, the output is going to give you kind of what they feel or believe. So how do you know to believe it and how do you not? And that's why I know it comes into this trust thing of clean data, et cetera, verifying your resources, et cetera, uh, and such. So. It's all pretty interesting there. Um, other things I've also learned is, again, go to school, become a data scientist. It is becoming a big field right now because anytime we have any type of contracts that are coming out, whether for the government or the company, it's like data scientists are on the rise. It's just amazing. Two years ago there or three years ago when I was at Rock Island Arsenal in, in Illinois, it was doing the mobile satellite systems. It was one of those wow, we need a data scientist. What are they going to do for us? So then we had to research and start hiring them. So um, those data scientists, lots of kudos to them. Um, but they do, for those who don't know, the data scientist is going to help apply statistical analysis to the trends. Um, and they, in mind, cannot perform their job without huge amounts of data. So that's another thing I learned then. Data first, data first. You need your good data or else you're not going to have a good project or a good product. Yeah, this is great. I, I even like the the comment you made about the medieval reference about uh, about books and, and reading, because it's really funny if you think about it. Most people were fairly illiterate in the Middle Ages because they kind of didn't have a reason, if you want to think about it, to read. I mean, books were not that easily available. I mean, you had to be like a scribe or like in the in the monastery, really. To, the books were expensive. They were written by hand, right? So there wasn't the printing press. So they wasn't that accessible. So most people didn't actually have a reason to read. I mean, there weren't street signs. There weren't even roads, right? Uh, you know, money wasn't paper. I mean, if you think about all the things we take for granted, there were no newspapers, right? Because there was no printing press. There was no reason to even learn how to read. But then once the printing press came out and once printing became ubiquitous and inexpensive, all of a sudden, if you wanted to live your life, you had to learn how to read because anything important was on paper. And then we invented things like the librarian and the whole industry, everything, media, the whole media industry was created because of the printing press. I know this is kind of going back, but it reminds me of where we are in the present day. A lot of people are data illiterate. They feel like they don't need to understand data. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, in the old medieval days, you weren't dealing, if you weren't dealing with data, then you didn't have to, I guess, be data literate. But now everybody has to be 
data literate. And because data now literally just like reading controls your life, you cannot be successful in this data-driven world if you don't understand data. So yeah, I mean, data will hopefully be starting to be taught in elementary schools. Maybe data scientists will be, data science will be part of the high school curriculum, maybe. Uh, maybe we'll start seeing uh, AP data science. I don't know. I mean, I'm just theorizing here, but but because it's become just like the printing press, it's become so ubiquitous. It's now in the hands of everybody. I think your your realization, just like all the rest of our realization, just the importance of the role of making data do what you want. This is that your second point of how do you know to trust these systems? And the answer is, is that if it looks like, if it seems like magic to you, which I think to a lot of people, uh, AI seems like magic. You're right. You tell you put even for us, we are constantly impressed. We put something into GPT, we're like, holy cow! Just like not only the quality of the work, it's like like almost like the insightfulness of it. It's like I this is this is, and and actually some of the more recent things are are just all, very much like magic. But then if you know how the magic trick works, you're like, okay, I, I it's it's sophisticated. There's a lot of data that went into training it. Very smart people tuned these algorithms, so the results are really good. It's like watching David Copperfield. You might, if he might tell you how that magic trick works. Good luck trying to actually do it. That's a whole other thing. But once you know how the magic works, it does take away one a little bit of the fear of how this is, but also it reveals some of the problems because at the end of the day, a lot of these systems are basically text predictors based on what they've been trained on. And if like 70% of your data has some bias or something in it, then yeah, 70% of your results, or maybe 90, whatever the training weights are, may have those same issues. And then we can go and fix those problems. So a lot of things you're saying are so insightful. Maybe some of it, some of it might come from CPMEI. We don't want to take all the credit. I think you've done a lot of this work yourself, but I just want to say you've you've really shined the light on a, on a lot of really critical issues for, for AI. Yeah, perfect. You know, this was such a wonderful podcast. We always like to hear how people are taking the knowledge that they've learned from CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology, training, and certification, and then putting it into the real world. So we love to ask this question uh, to all of the guests that we have on our podcasts because you're able to bring your own unique experiences and really, you know, add your own perspectives to this podcast or to this question. Some people get very philosophical, others are very practical, but I always love to hear what everyone has to say and no two guests ever say the same thing. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Well, I know a number of you all out there see movies, <laughs> you know, the future movies on how robots are going to take it over, the Terminator, uh, what is that, iRobot, and things like that. You kind of, so it's like we have that to fall back on. But again, what CPMI taught me is that it's not all that. So I had to kind of expand my horizon a bit. And what I feel the future of AI is, it's, Again, it's positive and that I think it really will help a lot of people, especially in school, et cetera. You know, once the rules come out of, okay, how do you write a report without making it look like you did get it from a machine? Um, I'm thinking from a college student's perspective, I would love that. Figure out some way to get around it because, you know, it does take a lot of my time uh, spending with my friends. But. As a business person, um, in the government anyway, I see it again, is the 
government is now pushing uh, to get AI going now. You've got your military that are now uh, being offered courses in AI to get up, get very proficient in that, because we do see that as the future. Um, we have a lot of civilian sector, the uh, people that work for DOD that are also getting advanced courses now in AI, machine learning, et cetera, because it it looks like that is going to be the future for the government. Um, we've got the State Department, for example, looking on uh, doing passports and getting how to get AI for that to make things more efficient. I see ethics is a bigger issue uh, coming up because, as you know, people like to do shortcuts, least possible resistance. So it's just I think the challenge will be at how to teach people how to be ethical about handling and interpreting AI. I also see uh, the last big thing is data and privacy. Really worried that may be out there. I mean, sure, we're already probably all getting hacked to death anyway, and all of our private information is pretty much out there. Um, I know myself, I've had identity theft three times in eight months. I don't know if it's because of the job I'm in, but trust me, it's not fun when you have to change all the passwords, emails, everything. So it's a scary future out there. It's just wondering, I'm just have hope that soon we'll have some controls on it so that way it can't become reckless. I don't know if that's a good word. Very very good. Yeah, harmful. Uh, what is it, that's the word for it? Uh, uh, not just malicious, but uh, when you uh, unintentionally cause harm, <laughs> the word is blanking on me at the moment. But yeah, I mean, you're, these are great insights. And I think this is fantastic. This is why we have folks like you on our podcast, because you're dealing with this every day. I mean, Sometimes we interview thought leaders who are building products. Sometimes we interview sort of like executives and C-leaders who are sort of leading teams. But honestly, our best conversations really come for those who are dealing with this every day because you're like, this is not about theorizing or planning or selling a product or service or something like that. It really is about trying to make this valuable in your everyday life in the context of everything else you're doing because you're not doing only this. You're doing all these other things too. So so we really value these conversations. And I think uh, this has been a fantastic interview. And I really want to thank you so much, Janelle, for you know really sharing your insights, sharing your expertise, representing yourself. We understand that. You know, this is not any official position of any government agency. And actually, that's what we want. We want your personal opinions. And I think that matters even more because we've heard the, trust me, we've heard the official positions and the official positions are are good, uh, but they're very, you know, they're very guarded. And so we like when people talk about their own personal uh, things that have nothing necessarily to do with, with any positions. And I think that's fantastic for all of our listeners because many of them are in your same position. They're, they're you know, working you know, <laughs> in the midst, I don't want to say a cog in a wheel, but like, you know, working in the midst of these bigger plans and just trying to make it work. And that's where that's where most of our CPMI folks are. Um, sometimes we'll bring in whole teams from an organization. They'll, they'll bring 10, 20, 15. We're actually about to go on the road and do a, a big training in person. We don't do too much of that. We try not to do too much of that in this distributed world. But uh, every once in a while, we come in and we we do these CPMI trainings for big groups and we help them. And mostly it's not for understanding. It's mostly for alignment to get everybody together. So anyway, I don't want to go on too long and long about that, but I really want to thank you, Janelle, so much for sharing your insight, your expertise, your personal opinions and views, and uh, being with us on our AI Today podcast. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This was such a wonderful discussion. 
And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out to us. Let us know the podcasts that you have been enjoying, what you'd like to hear more of, and also make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post anything that we discussed in the show notes, including a link to the Cognitive Project Management for AI, the CPMAI. We've released version seven. We're so excited about this. It is the most robust and comprehensive CPMAI version yet. So we're we're so excited for that. We hope that you'll check it out. And also, if you'd like to check out our free intro to CPMAI course, you absolutely can do that. Like Ron said, we've had thousands go through that. And so we'd love to have you check it out as well. Go to aitoday.live slash CPMAI if you'd like to register for that. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at aitoday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.